today on CityCast Salt Lake. Happy Hispanic Heritage Month to all who celebrate. In honor of this middle-of-the-month holiday, I would like to set the record straight on one quick thing. It's Ali Vallarta, not Ali Vallarta. Living in Utah as a Latina, you have to put up with a lot of people saying your name or spelling your name wrong. Kim Bojorquez knows. She's a reporter with Axios Salt Lake City. And she recently wrote about why, after more than two decades, she's reclaiming the way her name is actually spelled. I talk with Kim and producer Ivana Martinez about language, diaspora, and so much more. It's Thursday, September 22nd, 2022. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. I've never done a radio interview with two other Latinas. Ah. I love to see it. Wow. Like, I've never done an all-Latina radio interview, which is pretty awesome. Kim, Ivana... Happy Hispanic Heritage Month. Happy Hispanic Heritage Month, Allie. We did it. We're here. We're Latinas. We're doing it live. Kim, it's so good to have you on CityCast Salt Lake. Happy to be here. You've done so much incredible reporting on Latino communities in Utah. You recently wrote a story about how monkeypox is disproportionately impacting um, Utah Latinos, and that was Excellent. But you had a story in Axios Salt Lake City recently that was more personal, and it really resonated with me. Tell us why it took you 22 years to reintroduce the accent mark in your last name. Yeah, I, you know, I wrote this story because I was inspired by my colleagues at Axios Latino, who asked a question of why some Latino Americans had an accent mark in their last name, and those who didn't, and why that was. And it kind of reminded me of my story. Um, When I was in college, I was taking some classes in Spanish. And I also got a hold of a family history book. And as I was reading it, you know, I saw that in my last name, Bojorquez, there was an accent mark on the second O of my last name. And going back to my Spanish class, you know, anytime I would write um, or take a test in Spanish, if I didn't have an accent mark or a tilde in a word, my Spanish teacher was very strict and she would just mark it as incorrect, like I spelled it wrong. And, you know, it made me realize taking that class, how important and essential accent marks are in language. And I ended up adopting an accent mark in my last name because I'm proud of my heritage. Yeah. It feels like, I mean, I feel like everyone here on this call right now has a like name story. Ivana, do you have one? Oh, yeah. I feel like growing up in Utah, your name naturally, like if you come from like a non-white background, like my first name's actually, I think the origins are Russian, but we pronounce it in Spanish and that's how it's pronounced Ivana. And so, so often you get different iterations of that. So a lot of people have been like Ivana or Ivana. Like there are so many different iterations that's been butchered over like the course of my life, just living in Utah. And I'm just like, okay, whatever. But like Kim, your story, I read it and I was like, wow. Like taking ownership of something so personal as like your own name, which, you you know, it sounds like 
common knowledge that you would do that. But it's kind of a big deal because I feel like Latinas in general or, you know, anyone from a non-white background often gets their name butchered. But there's so much importance to saying a name right. Well, and it's like, you know, I mean, Vallarta here reporting for duty, like two <laughs> L's, which, you know, people I'm always like, it's like tortilla, like you can do it. Um, but the accent mark in particular, like even on some computers or legal documents, they're like, no, sorry, girl, like we won't even you can't even type that in. We won't even allow it. Right. So even on paper, your name isn't necessarily spelled correctly. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I I went to the mall over the weekend and I was signing up for an awards program and I was putting my name, Kim Bojorquez, and it wouldn't register um, until I took the accent mark out and just put a regular O. And it, it just goes to show that even in 2022, um, even as our country is becoming more Latino, we're not going anywhere. It's still a foreign character to a lot of different computer systems or forms. Yeah, you would think they would want your business bad enough that they would figure out how to uh, keep that accent mark there. But I'm interested, Kim, like what was the reaction to you introducing the accent mark? Like, have you received pushback? Because we all work in media, like capital T, capital M, the media, right? (laughs) And like words matter. That's our thing. You know, spelling matters. Like these nuances are so important. It's extremely surprising it's taken even this long in media for, like, you know, us to come around to this. I've never received any pushback for using an accent mark in my last name. If if I did, I think I would be prepared um, to fight for it. Um, but what I have run into is, you know, when I'm setting up a new work account or a profile, sometimes I notice that after it's set up, people don't add the accent mark in, in my paperwork, whether that's work, whether that's, you know, joining a new sports team. And I always have to go back and correct it. That's so interesting, Kim, because like we work in the media and we know that language is such an important part of it. Like, you know, we get scolded so often from our editors. Like, you don't have the AP style down. Like, that is like a big no-no. We know the importance of language. And when, you know, it isn't there, it kind of, I don't know, it it like, it kind of, you get a little feeling, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Kim, I saw when you tweeted out the story that you wrote, I, I read the comments because your girl cannot resist reading the comments. And there was a comment from some guy who basically was accusing you of creating more work for people by having to use the accent mark. And his name was Craig and he spelled it with a K. And I was like, you know, Craig, like (laughs) seems like a little maybe racist when adding an accent mark is too much labor, but like we're all supposed to learn how to spell Kaylee with a G-H or like, you know, we're supposed to be kind to each other about our names in, in other ways when they're not Hispanic names. Anyways, just feeling petty. So wanted to shout out Craig if he's listening. Yeah. And I, I just wanted to add, I asked my dad why he doesn't use an accent mark in his last name. He used it growing up in Guatemala But then when he moved to the U.S. in the mid-1980s, maybe intentionally or unintentionally, they kept removing the accent mark 
in official public documents. And it eventually became a burden for him to keep asking to get that accent mark back on. And that's why I was born in my certificate without an accent mark in my last name. And I will always fight for it. It's been used in my family for over 200 years. And it deserves a place in my last name, regardless of of how hard it is for Craig to hold down an O (laughs) on a MacBook computer and press four. Yeah. Ivana, you've navigated, I mean, media as the only Latina in the room before. I'm curious if you've got any experiences to share. You know, I will say that, thankfully, I've never had really a, a negative experience being the only Latina in the room. But it can be really intimidating. Um, I I remember, who was it? Someone connected me to Kim, actually. And Kim was actually my first, like, Latina mentor. Also one of my first mentors in, like, this industry, right? Because it, it's so important, I think. Growing up, I really didn't see, like, any type of representation besides, like, Latino, like, journalism channels like Univision, you know, um, seeing myself represented. So that was, it was a really big thing to see people in this industry doing this work and also being at the table to to be like, hey, there are these things that we should be talking about, like accent marks in people's names and saying people's names correctly and doing interviews in Spanish, which, you know, some people you got to meet people where they are. And so I think when you bring yourself to the table, you you open a bigger conversation about who you're talking to and who you're representing. Salt Lake City, what if this is the year you host Easter dinner or brunch? Harmon's makes big meals easy to prepare with delicious holiday specialties made from scratch. Just heat and serve, baby. Lay a pre-cooked honey ham on the table and absorb the compliments from your family or friends. They don't need to know you napped instead of staring down the oven. And if you're not the host but need something to bring, here are just a few of my favorite spring ideas. First of all, Harmon's fragrant Easter lilies will impress anybody's mom or delight a neighbor. Now there's no need to even heat up a pre-made side like deviled eggs or fresh cut pineapple, but bonus points if you transfer them into your own dish. And as listeners of this show well know, I will lose my mind if you show up to my house with Harmon's hot cross buns. I invite you to make some new Easter traditions with Harmon's. Okay, let's talk about the media. Where do you think we can improve? Kim, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I I think we need to not just have reporters of color who are who understand the nuances of a of their own communities. We also need representation at the top. We need representation among the people who make these coverage decisions. Yeah. So your editors like owners Right. Investors, board members, like the whole, yeah, the whole lot. It's just difficult to have that representation and or or it's not difficult. I don't think I think it can be done, but I don't think people are willing to do the extra work to make sure that communities are represented in their newsrooms or organizations. Like, I mean, I feel like so often we have these conversations in general, about diversity and why people aren't being reached, right? But it's like, 
it we do know that it takes work. We know that if we're talking about media and journalism specifically, you know, we know that there are barriers to and to getting into this field. There are disproportionate like barriers. I think one of my own personal experience was like internships, right? Up until a few years ago, internships were unpaid. And you have to think about privilege in this regard because who has the luxury of working for free when you've got bills to pay, when you have your family to support, when you have other things that you have to be thinking about? And that disproportionately impacts who you're able to reach in terms of representing people in your newsroom. Okay. Speaking of language and... Um, Hispanic Heritage Month. And I feel like the central point that like for any ethnic or like racial heritage month, it always comes down to the conversation of like, we're not a monolith. We're not like all the same. You can't just hire one of us because like that puts a lot of pressure on that person. And like, we're incredibly diverse, like Hispanic Heritage Month, meaning Spanish speaking people. Okay, like a lot of the world. Um, But I have a question for you both about the term Latinx. Are you team Latinx, team Latine? Like, where do you stand on this? Because within the Spanish-speaking community, there's a lot of diversion. Yeah, I mean, I I will say, um, I think there are more pressing issues in our communities than that damn X. You know, when I was working in California and I covered uh, Latino communities for the Sacramento Bee, it was a top question that I would get asked. And I would always respond with, we care about education, we care about, um, you know, crime, we care about immigration, you know, we care about all these issues. But at the end of the day, I use Latinx, you know, if, if somebody asks me to use it, you know, I, I definitely treat that term as a kind of like a pronoun. I, I think my issue with it is that if I were to tell my parents, hey, do you identify as Latinx? they would be like, what are you talking about? We've never heard of this term before. Um, But at the same time, I I do like that term because it is inclusive to our queer community and people who who don't identify as Latino or Latina. So I think there's definitely a place for it in our culture. I don't know if it's here to stay. You know, I, I know that civil rights activists fought really hard for the term Latino because Hispanic is a census term. And sometimes the term Hispanic doesn't really encompass all Latin Americans. Um, so I'm a fan of the word and I definitely use it. But at the same time, I don't think it's widely used among the larger Latino community. So it's complicated. You talk about your parents, Kim, and I'm like, that's exactly my mom. My mom would just be like, ¿Qué es eso? Like, what does that even what does that even mean? You know, like, why why is there an X? Once you explain it to someone, it's like, oh, OK, yeah, that makes sense. But it's I feel like in older generations, it's not so commonly used more than in the younger generations where we realize there isn't this like gender binary and it kind of excludes a community. Yeah. The other criticism I've heard is just like the X is just like a weird, like it just doesn't sound like Spanish to say the word Latinx. Like it sounds like an English word to me. Like people use Latine. I personally prefer Latine. But I think to your point, Kim, like about there being bigger issues, I like that there's mystery around which one. I like that we haven't agreed on Latinx or Latine. And 
I think that the value in that is that it keeps people talking about identity and about inclusion and about language itself. And that's kind of cool because so often in our community, like and in our just society, like we do a really good job adopting a word or an idea um, on its face without actually doing the deeper work of making change. And then we move forward because we are like, yeah, high five, we did it, right? We like, we are using the, the term defund or we're using like just some of these like really normalized words and then they start to lose some of their essence. They start to lose some of their punch. And so I kind of like there being a little bit of confusion around it because it keeps the conversation happening and I think there's value in that. No, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think language is always evolving. Language is really complicated. And I really don't see this debate over using Latinx, over Latino, Hispanic. I I don't see that going away. Do either of you have, like, how do you like to celebrate this month? Do you celebrate at all? Like, is there, how do you, like, move through Hispanic Heritage Month? For me, it's Hispanic Heritage Month every month. Um, So I feel like it's always going to be something that I celebrate and in my stories, you know, I always want to include stories about Latino communities, whether it's September or October or not. Um, You know, Salt Lakers make up almost 21% of the city population. And I don't, I just don't think that we'll ever have enough robust coverage about that community. Ivana, how would you recommend that people who are not Hispanic or not Latino celebrate this month? I don't know. I think it's it's really interesting because whenever we have months dedicated to a certain group of people, whether that be Black History Month, Latin, like I like to call it Latino Heritage Month, but it's it's Hispanic. I know. Personally, my favorite brand of just celebrating is like I feel so close to home when I listen to like cumbia and like music and celebrating, you know, this vast and very diverse culture that we hold within the Latino community, please do not use stereotypes of what you traditionally think um, Hispanic Heritage Month is supposed to be like. You So often you see people get their sombreros out for like Cinco de Mayo and no one knows what Cinco de Mayo is. Well, the majority of people don't know what Cinco de Mayo is. Most people think it's like Mexican Independence Day. It's not actually. Um, that's September. But <laughs> but. You know, you get these things out and it's like, oh, well, maybe we should be having conversations about what it means to to be Latino or what to what it means to be a part of this community. And those conversations shouldn't just end when the month does. Yeah, I would say it's also just a really good opportunity to spend your money at Hispanic or Latino owned businesses like go the extra mile, eat out extra, like think about where you're shopping, think about where you're buying clothes, like put some money in the pockets of people from the Hispanic community. Oh, for sure. Kim Bojorquez, Ivana Martinez, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Thank you both. Thank you, Allie. One more thing before we go. I always thought it was strange that Hispanic Heritage Month starts in the middle of September. I went to Latino Night at the Utah Symphony this week, and the maestro made a pretty good joke that it's because we're always late, but that's not it. I looked it up, and the real reason is that September 15th marks Independence Day for five Latin American countries. Can you name them? Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, and Nicaragua. 
September 16th, not Cinco de Mayo, September 16th, is Mexico's Independence Day. So there you have it. That's all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. We'll be back tomorrow morning, mi gente, with more from around the city. Bye. Catch me dancing cumbia in the streets.